Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. We are on day number 15 of our 21-day season of prayer and fasting, and it's been going well. Uh, We've already just been sensing the presence of God, and and I have in a brand new way, and I hope you have personally, because this, yes, this is a corporate thing. Uh, We're doing this as a church, but it really starts with you as an individual, like doing it for real, doing it right, and uh, tapping into everything that God has for you. And so I would just encourage you to finish this fast strong, and uh, it's the final stretch. And if you've yet to join us, maybe you're traveling and you haven't yet uh, heard about what we're doing as a church. We started on January 1. We're going all the way through till January 21st, and we're doing a Daniel fast, and we have resources for you on our website, and it's not too late. So take these next few days and jump in on this fast. And uh, we're believing uh, we're going to experience what this series is all about, encountering Jesus. It's been mentioned several times, and we're excited about that. And uh, as you have picked up on by now, we are looking at uh, a man in the Bible by the name of Zacchaeus, and we're going to read that story right now. So if you do have your Bibles, why don't you uh, turn there or turn on your Bibles and open it up here to Luke chapter 19, starting in verse um, 1. It says this, talking about Zacchaeus, this tax collector that we're learning about today and studying today. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. I love that. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And I have this part underlined because I love it. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, And I've entitled this message today, this this first part in this series of messages uh, under encountering Jesus, X marks the spot. Because how many of you know that when we encounter Jesus, everything changes at that spot? That's what happened is Zacchaeus was waiting on Jesus and there was this moment that took place where he experienced something he had never experienced before. And that's that's true for us today. Like when we meet Jesus and we truly experience him, uh, that's where we experience freedom. That's where we experience hope, salvation, deliverance. It's all wrapped up in who Jesus is. And so this this first message is entitled, X marks, Marks the Spot. So let's read on. It says, he looked up to him and said this, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Isn't that good? Because this man too is a son of Abraham. The final verse here says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Well, I want you to pray with me. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to open your word. I thank you for everyone that is here on this campus, at our other campuses, God, are joining us 
on a screen somewhere. And I pray, God, that this word would be anointed. I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear everything that you want us. Ultimately, Jesus, we want to experience you today. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Amen. Well, I've been uh, enjoying this show. Maybe you've heard of it. It's on TV. I've not only been watching it live, but I've been going back and watching all the, uh, the, the previous episodes. But it's a little show called Shark Tank. Does anybody like Shark Tank? All right. Cool. I love entrepreneurs, and I love the idea of somebody coming up with this new idea or this invention. And, uh, and it's like I'm cheering them on. I want them, I want them to make it because I just love it. That's the great thing about America, too. You know, I just picture the American flag in the background. I'm like, I love this place, land of the opportunity. And so I'm just, I just love that whole uh, vibe of being able to watch people as they, as they invent and then as they present and try to market it and sell it. So if you're not familiar with what this show is, uh, it's, it's where these inventors or these entrepreneurs, they come up and they present their new idea to a list, a panel of, of what they call sharks, which are really just investors. And they got about a two or three minute window and they'll talk about their product and their invention and here's why the world needs this and here's why this business is important. And so I'm gonna give you sharks an opportunity to invest in this for a certain percentage of this company. And they'll kind of wheel and deal back and forth. And sometimes they make a deal, sometimes they don't make a deal. And as I've been watching this, it's been fun because there've been some really, really great ideas in my opinion. And then there's also been some really, really bad ideas, in my opinion. I'll see if you agree with me. One of the products that uh, one of the investors tried to pitch was something called Wired Waffles, okay? Wired Waffles. Now, how many of you like waffles? All right, they're good. Put a little syrup on them, not bad. Well, this guy's like, I think what the world needs is not just a normal waffle, and that was part of his pitch. He's like, you know, before you had to have a waffle there and eat your waffle to get the nourishment. And then also you'd have to come over here and have a cup of coffee and be sipping on your cup of coffee. But wait, now we have this great invention. What it is, is they would take this waffle mix and basically take the contents of an energy drink and pour it inside the waffle mix. You guys saying it's gross already? Okay, I thought so. So you agree with me, very good. Uh, and they, they, they bake it all together, they package it and, uh, and then people can just on the go. They take their waffle and they get a little shot of caffeine and all the sharks are just having this face like this is not a good idea. In fact, once they tasted it, it was over. It was deemed as a bad idea. They did not invest in that product and you can see why. The next one that I, that I uh, remember seeing is something called a skinny mirror. A skinny mirror. <laughs> and you're laughing because you already see how problematic this could be, right? Um, one, you know it's not gonna gift well because if, guys, if you give that to your wife, that's a bad day. So if you're taking notes, you can just write that down too, right? That's not gonna work. But yeah, it's like it alters the image so that you appear slimmer than you are. So if you're a little hefty, you just kind of like live in denial, I guess. You just stand in front of the mirror and you're like, hey, I look pretty good today. So there was all kinds of rooted problems in this, uh, in this uh, product or this design. And so they passed on that as well, saying, you know, it gives people a false sense of reality and stuff like that. And it's been cool because I've been uh, watching as these presentations are, are happening. And I'm like, you know what, that's a good idea. Or that's, that's a really good cause. Or, yeah, man, the, the world needs this. And I began to reflect on the mission of our church. And you've heard this several times already in this service. I'm sure in the messages uh, previous to this, you've heard uh, this 
uh, being talked about, and that's okay. I'm just gonna say it again, and I'll just cue you right now. I want you to clap, clap after this because we're gonna get excited about our mission around here. Listen to this. Faith Assembly exists to help people encounter Jesus. Come on, clap your hands. That's a good place right there. And that's what we get excited about. That's what we get, that's what motivates us. That's what motivates me as a pastor. That's what motivates our incredible pastoral staff. Can we just give it up also for our, our great pastoral staff? Works so hard with that mission in mind. Listen, we wanna, we wanna allow everyone to have that opportunity to experience a very, very real Jesus. That's what gets us going in the morning. On Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays, like we're going to work. More, more people have to encounter Jesus. And I also started thinking about some of you because there's a lot of you that spend hours and hours investing in this church and you teach classes and you're out in the parking lots and you're uh, standing at the doors and you're ushering and you're doing this and you're doing that, not for compensation, you do it because you believe in the mission of this church. You do it because you believe that this cause that we're a part of, this, this cause uh, of this organization, if you want to call it that, of Faith Assembly, man, there's something to this, and it's gratifying, it's fulfilling to take Jesus in, into the streets and take it to the people that need him most. And so what I want to do, I want to ask, if you serve in that capacity, you're a volunteer, uh, and you, you serve here at this church, would you quickly just stand up as fast as you can? And everybody else, do that at the campus as well. You stand up. Come on, can we go crazy just for a few seconds? Thank you for what you do. Thank you for what you do. You are a blessing. Man, you guys are awesome. This church is, is filled with incredible people. We just met on Friday night for the ministry team's conference, and uh, hundreds and hundreds of our, of our team were inspired, and we're rallied around a mission, man. We are so excited. But that's, that's what not only this series is about, but that's what our, our church is really about. That's why we do what we do. In Psalms 34, 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. What, what that means to me is that we're not just supposed to talk about God. We're not just supposed to learn about God. And those things are great. Like, I want to know the stories of Jesus. I want to have a theology that is correct. I want to open up the scripture and have knowledge, head knowledge and heart knowledge. Yes, that's all good. But you know what? Jesus is someone who is meant to be experienced. Can I say that again? Like if we just go through the motions here and we play church and we're so religious that we're walking around kind of all pompous and, and acting like we have our, all of our stuff together and we don't really touch Jesus and he touches us and we're uh, just having this moment where we're encountering something that's bigger than ourselves, then we are missing out on so much. So we're gonna be uh, taking a look at different uh, stories in the New Testament specifically over these next few weeks and uh, look at what, how these encounters uh, impact us and what we can learn from those that encountered Jesus in the New Testament. And if, so if you're taking notes, you can write this down as well, along with the skinny mirror comment, you can do that. Uh, number one, Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus teaches us that Jesus is more concerned with your future than he is with your past. I'm just gonna say that again. Jesus is more concerned with your future than he is with your past. How many of you know that's good news too? Because all of us have a past. Well, why do, I, why do I come to that conclusion? Because in verse two, 
It says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. So what do we know about Zacchaeus? Well, we know that he was a wee little man. How many of you grew up in church, and as a kid, you remember singing the song? Anybody want to sing it right now? I don't think that's a good idea. Let's not do that. Um, I couldn't even remember the melody, but like I, I looked it up on YouTube, and I was like, that's right. I remember, and I started singing along, and you see my search history, like, that's so strange. Why? I don't understand why somebody would be singing this song. But uh, we know that he's a wee little man. And that's kind of like, that's a little messed up to, if, if you're Zacchaeus and you're like, well, that's great. I was like meeting Jesus and I was doing some pretty cool things. And all that they can remember is the fact that I was just really short. But hopefully today we can open up uh, the word and, and know a little bit more about this man and how he was impacted by Jesus. Um, we know that he was a, a tax collector. And if you understood the reputation of a tax collector back then, now, I know that you don't like paying taxes now, but especially back then, you had these dishonest tax collectors that would, they, they were known for being dishonest people. They were known for skimming some off the top and, and kind of ripping people off, and, and that's who Zacchaeus was. He was a, a dishonest man because of that, but also he was a, a, a chief tax collector, which meant he also was kind of over the administration of an entire region. So he was very wealthy. And so, uh, so he was short, he was wealthy, he was a tax collector. And when people would talk about tax collectors, they would put them in the same classification as the murderers and the thieves. And so he was not a popular guy. And yet what I love in this story is that Jesus was still genuinely interested in this man. He was genuinely interested in his story. And uh, many of you may not know this, but the name Zacchaeus actually means clean. And yet he had chosen an occupation, a job that was anything but. When Jesus comes along the way and he sees him in that tree, he doesn't call him out for his sin right there. But what does he do? He calls him by name. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. You know what that shows me? It shows me that no matter what our past is like, we have a savior. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's interested in you. Listen, he is not intimidated by your past. Some of you right now, you're, you're sitting there, you're watching a, a, on a screen somewhere, and you're going, yeah, but Pastor Matt, you don't know my story, because if I started to uh, uh, list out and, and, and show you all the things that I've done, you would see that I've done this, and you would see that I've done that, and you've seen how I've let people down, and I've disappointed, and I've sinned, and I would just say this, listen, all of us have messed up. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and that does not intimidate Jesus. In fact, that's the reason why he came, is to be a savior, not someone who's going to bring condemnation to us. So thank God he identifies us by our names and not our sin. And the beauty in this story to me is that Jesus pursued Zacchaeus. He went out of his way to stop and initiate this relationship. How many of you know that Jesus is in pursuit of us? Verse 10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. We do uh, reach, uh, reach is a part of what we do around here, and you've heard it uh, many, many times, but we reach locally, we reach globally. And I love that because we're not just satisfied for what we have now. I love all of you, just so you know. You can write that in your, your notes too. I love all of you. 
But guess what? There's a lot of people out there that also need to understand the love of Jesus. They also need to be plugged into a good church and have a, a body of believers around them. They, they need to experience Jesus like we have. So that, that's always at the, at the heart and the core of who we are is, yes, we're never going to arrive. We're never going to be like, okay, I'm content with what we have here. We're going to continue to seek and, and to reach out so that Jesus can save people. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. In fact, when, when Jesus was questioned about this, um, people were going, well, you're eating with tax collectors and you're eating with the sinners and uh, the, the religious people were really, were really upset about this. And they asked him, they said, well, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And this is found in Mark chapter two, uh, verse 15. In verse 17, Jesus simply says this. He goes, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I've not come to call the righteous, but, but sinners. And I can imagine the pressure that this man Zacchaeus had felt uh, throughout time as he got around the church people or the religious people and they began to shun him and, and look the other way because of his past. And when Jesus approached him, he experienced something that was completely different. I remember uh, reading this story in one of Max Lucado's books about uh, a woman named Christina or a girl named Christina and her mom, Maria. And they lived in a... Uh, small Brazilian village and didn't have a lot. I mean, uh, Maria was a, a single mom and they barely had enough to make ends meet. They were able to eat and kind of have the basic things in life, but they had nothing extra. And uh, their house, dirt floor, they had a couple pallets that they slept in and had a wood-burning stove, an old crucifix that hung on the wall. Very simple, very simple life. And Maria's daughter, Christina, uh, started kind of getting in her head that she wanted to experience uh, what it would be like to go to the big city. And in her mind, she just glamorized it. And she thought, man, if I can just go to the city, I hear people talking about the parties, and I hear people talking about the clubs and all the entertainment and all the fun stuff. And it was just like, it was just like a, a, something that she wanted to be a part of. And her mom tried to tell her, listen, if you, if you go there, you have to have a job. You have to, wait to uh, have a way to support yourself. And if you don't have that, then a lot, of the, a lot of the girls in that area would fall into prostitution and find themselves involved in a lifestyle that they they would not want to be a part of if they just knew ahead of time. And so her mom would pray for her and just dread the day that maybe one day her daughter Christina wouldn't be at her house anymore. So as he writes in this story, one day uh, her mom's worst fears were realized. She comes home from work and she opens the door and uh, Christina was gone. She had packed up what little belongings she had and she headed to this city, and her mom, her, her mom knew where she had gone. But the part of the story that's so fascinating to me is what this mom did next. Before she, I mean, it was like instinct. She just right away knew what she had to do. And so before she took the next bus to the city, she stopped at a drugstore. And she gathered, she'd gathered all the money that, 
that, that she had and she went up to the, the clerk and exchanged it for coins and she sat there in a, in a photo booth that was in that drugstore. You know what I'm talking about. They have the, the curtains that you would draw and you put your coins in there and then as, you, as it counts down, it takes your photo and then uh, outside of this little uh, machine, it prints off something like this and you can do that as many times as you want and, and that's what was happening. She was spending all the money that she had and it was printing out these photos of her mom as she sat there. Spent all the money that she had in her purse, had just enough to get to downtown. And she carefully cut up each one and she went to everywhere she thought her daughter may be. I mean, she went to the clubs, she went to the, uh, she went to the apartment complexes, she went to the hotels, uh, she went to the different venues. I mean, she went to the, the local bulletin boards where she could press into the little cork, cork board and she put a picture of herself at every single one of those locations all around the city. And on the back, she wrote a note on each one of those. Fast forward, uh, you know, mom goes home, two or three weeks transpire. And uh, after almost playing out exactly as her mother had feared. Christina had just been doing the party life, you know, was going to this club and that club and was starting to feel down about herself and was doing some things that she's not proud of. And she comes down this hotel. She descends the stairs and she's just in her heart wanting to go home. She's in her heart wanting to be reunited with, with her mom, but she's like too stubborn to admit it, right? And she comes down the stairs and she looks over to where this, uh, this picture is and she almost recognizes the face. And she looks over and it is that familiar face. And she's in disbelief, can't believe it. She walks over to that photo and she picks it up, a lump in her throat, tears in her eyes, and she pulls it off the bulletin board and she flips it over. And a note that was on this particular message, just like all the, other, um, all the other photos that were in that city, were these words. I love it. Whatever you have done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. Please come home. And I love the end of the story. It just says these words. And she did. Come on, isn't that good? You know why it's good? is because you guys are already translating this into our relationship with, with Jesus. I just want to remind every person that we are never too gone, far gone for God. He loves us. And some of you, you're discounting yourself and you're saying, yeah, that sounds good, but I can't believe that I'm really the, the person that, that Jesus loves. I would say that same message is true today. And Jesus wants you to know that, that no matter what you found yourself uh, involved in and what, whatever you've been doing, whatever you've been thinking, however dishonest you've been, however uh, you know, far away from God you feel, listen, it's just one step back into the presence of God and he will welcome you with open arms. He didn't come to this world to, to condemn us, to, but to forgive us, and I believe that with all my heart. So Jesus cares more about our future than he does our past. Therefore, uh, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means our past or our present condition doesn't have to be our future condition. So right now, if you find yourself taking inventory of your life and you're like, you know what, Pastor Matt, I am sinful. I can say, you know what, you can walk out of here forgiven in Jesus' name. 
You might be broken and feeling like the pieces of your life could never be put back together again. I would say you can walk out of here restored in Jesus' name. You might be feeling empty. Know what? You can be filled with the love of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus. You might feel hopeless, but you know what? You can find hope today. You might be lost, but you can be found. Aren't you thankful that you have a Jesus, you have a Savior that loves you that much? David writes, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. John writes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Listen, Jesus has a plan for your past. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Amen? Secondly, Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus teaches us that changing your position can improve your vision. Changing your position can improve your vision. And we just read about it. We know that he was a short man. He couldn't see above the crowd, and and, uh, he knew Jesus was coming that way. And so what did he do? He ran ahead. He's changing his position. He climbs up, changing his position, all so that he can see Jesus. So sometimes we got to change our position so that it can improve our vision. And I began to think about that this week. You know, how many know that's what fasting does? You're changing what you do. You're doing the practical, whatever it is that's in, in the, uh, uh, the practical realm, right? I mean, like, who would have thought that Zacchaeus climbing a tree would help him encounter Jesus? But it did. And there's some practical things that you can do in your life. And I would say, number one, Open up your word and be a student of the word of God. That's where the power is. That's where the life is. When you start to read, like you will be in tune with God. It's gonna be impossible for you to truly encounter Jesus unless you encounter his word. So that's a practical thing. Uh, You shouldn't be fasting and giving up this and sacrificing this unless daily you're in your word because you're missing the point. You gotta fill yourself with something else, right? So that's part of it. I would say prayer. Talk with God and be a part of this, this fast as well. But those are the practical things. And so you can, you can do that, um, and those, those are the, the very practical things. But our position matters even beyond that. And sometimes, unless things change in our life practically, they, they most often will not change spiritually. And here's what I mean by that, because we got a, a bunch of like, things that represent different topics and items here, but like, how many of you know that there is like Hulu and there is a Netflix and there is Disney Plus and there is like, there's a million, ESPN Plus, there's all these streaming things. Hopefully you're not streaming right now, all right? I'm gonna stick an usher on you and you can just think, no, I'm just kidding. But that's, that's the truth. It's like you look at your subscriptions, you're like, man, I'm paying $13.99 for this and this and this. And like, where did that come from? All of a sudden, we have so much content You could spend like three years hibernating in your house and never run out of content because there's so much at our disposal, so much at our fingertips. And if we're not careful, this can start to set up a wall between us and Jesus. Or how many of you love sports? Anybody see the game last night, last minute? Wow, that was a test. All of you, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. But sports, it's like football is life. I gotta know everything about football. I gotta, 
preseason, man, I gotta know about the draft. I gotta watch the draft party. I gotta do this. And oh, my fantasy, they need me. I gotta do my best on that. And I gotta watch every game, not just of my favorite team, but I gotta watch it. So you understand what I'm saying? These, you go on and on and on. And I'm saying, you know what? Have balance in your life. Do things for recreation, yes. Have times where you unplug and you just relax. That's good for you. But if you're not careful, man, these things can begin to set up a wall in your life and distract you from seeing Jesus. Your phones. Conviction. Yes, Lord. Man, it's just, I said in first service, I think we're all going to need chiropractors in the next couple years because we're just like, we're just, our our bodies are like this because we're down, we're down. It's like, hey, every once in a while, just look up. It's going to be amazing. But our phones can can just, we're always on our phones. We're always worried about who's texting us and, and what we can, you know, what app we can download. And it's distraction, distraction, distraction. For some of you, it might be your career. You're trying to climb the corporate ladder and you're like, yeah, I just, I gotta put in an extra five hours this week. I gotta put in the extra 15 hours. And listen, I'm a fan, work hard. I believe Christians should be the hardest workers on the planet, right? But this can never should never come between you and Jesus. If it is, then guess what happens? It starts to build this wall that I'm talking about. Materialism, all of us can fall into this trap. I mean, I know I have this much, but I want even more. My neighbor got this, I want that. We just think if I just work those hours, I'm gonna work overtime just so I can get more stuff, and you know that that doesn't satisfy, and it's just a big cycle, you're gonna end up miserable. Materialism can be another uh, part of this wall that keeps us from seeing Jesus clearly. It could be friendships that you have, even good friendships, but if you're just spending all your time just socializing and hanging out and you never have moments with Jesus, then that's a problem. Social media, oh man. Not just young people, I'm talking like people people, all right? Facebook, how many of you have done that before? You just instinctively grab your phone and you open an app and you don't even know why you opened it. You're like, what? That, that's kind of scary if you think about it. Social media, I gotta, I gotta post this. I gotta see what people are saying. I gotta like this. And you know what? If people don't know what I'm doing in every moment of my life, then it's gonna be bad. And so it just starts to build this wall. And you know what? That's not, that's not good because there's this thing called God's will. Come on, somebody. And he's out there. And this, uh, this moment that I'm talking about where Jesus uh, reaches the spot, it's the X marks the spot moment. That's where the treasure is. That's where the value is. And you know what? Zacchaeus saw it happening, and he, he did what he could practically so that he could see Jesus in the, in the flesh, and it all happened. But he would have missed it had he not climbed the tree. Now, I'm not telling you today that you need to climb a physical tree If you want to, then knock yourself out, have fun. But what I am saying is there has to be some point in your life that you go, what I have to do today is is say, I can't see Jesus from where I'm at. I know he's out there. People have been talking about it. The pastor's challenging me to fast and pray. I can't see him. Sometimes along with uh, prayer and fasting, we gotta limit the other stuff that's in our lives and say, you know what? This, I have to have balance in my life. And so I'm breaking down this wall. And so social media, I have to have balance. Materialism, I gotta have it in check. My career, and what happens eventually is this stuff gets out of the way and then all of a sudden we're like, wow, 
Jesus has been there the whole time. Now finally, finally I see him. Finally, now I get it. That's what this is about. Jesus is meant to be experienced. And then finally, I'd say this, encounters should always lead to transformation. Encounters should always lead to transformation. And I'm gonna parallel a couple stories here, and we're gonna look at one, uh, the, the rich young ruler in a couple weeks, I believe it is. But I wanna just quickly highlight something because in scripture we can look at two wealthy people that both had encounters with Jesus and yet they had two completely different experiences. So let me read to you uh, verse eight of what we read before just to kind of talk about Zacchaeus really quick. It says, uh, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I have half my possessions, I, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, I wanna, I wanna come to your house and I wanna have fellowship with you. And Zacchaeus is like, are, are you serious? And so whatever it takes, you know what, Jesus, I'm gonna respond right now. There was transformation that took place in his heart. He was willing to give back. And he's like, I'm not gonna cheat anybody anymore. There was true transformation, which that's, that's like the goal. But then you look at another uh, rich person, the rich young ruler, and uh, you watch how he responds. Because he starts kind of thinking he's got everything together and he's like, I've done this right and I follow the commands and, I, and I'm, I'm good here and I'm, I'm pretty good, right? And yet Jesus recognizes this one portion in his life, which was his wealth, that had really become his God. It become supreme to him. And as only Jesus could do, he looks at him and he says, okay, if you wanna follow me, if you wanna really be transformed, why don't you sell everything you have and give it to the poor? And the Bible says that this rich young ruler walked away, not joyful, but he walked away sad because he was unwilling to surrender. He was unwilling to just release what he had in his hands. And listen, I'm just telling you, a dangerous place to be in is when you start to, to hold on to different things in your life and the word of God is spoken and you're challenged and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, just release that thing. That's not worth it and you're trying to hold on tighter, I'm telling you, the next time you get in the presence of God, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna hold on even tighter? Or are you just gonna say, you know what, I can't do this. True experiences with Jesus, true encounters with Jesus require us to be all in, require us to be in full surrender. You can't like partially surrender. And true encounters like I'm talking about, it's, you gotta get to that place. How many of you love the... Um, the baptisms that we witnessed just a few moments ago. Wasn't that awesome? I was hoping the water was heated because it's cold out today. And I, it just brings joy to my heart. This morning in, in first service, um, there were just people, you could see it in their eyes, just this incredible joy of uh, making people making this deci decision. I have decided to follow who? Jesus. And those stories that I read about, one person followed him and the other person resisted him. And if you're really gonna maximize your experiences with Jesus, when he begins to speak to you at an altar, when he begins to speak to you through the word of God, 
make sure that your heart is pliable and soft so that you'll say, Jesus, whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that you ask of me, I'm gonna say yes before I even know the question. I have decided to follow Jesus. We used to say this when we would baptize. I I think our script has changed a little bit, but I can remember uh, taking even middle school students and saying, upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. You ready to serve him for the rest of your life? And they're like, yeah. Okay, here we go. And by the way, if you've never been water baptized, do it, okay? We're gonna support you and cheer you on. And you can sign up after service. But there's this moment where we, we go down. It represents all the things that we've done wrong. It's just buried. And then we come up and there's, there's new life that Christ has given us. And we're gonna walk in that victory And there's this profession of our faith, but there's also this confession that, you know what? The following piece, the the fellowship part, if you will, like I'm signing up for that too. The problem is, is when our profession doesn't line up with our position. So it's like, yeah, Jesus, I'm gonna serve you. I surrender. Maybe maybe today, I hate to say it this way, but maybe you kind of sang a lie because you're saying, I surrender, knowing full well that you're not gonna fully release it to him. And that's a dangerous place to be in. So I would say, let your profession and your position line up. So you know what, I have decided to follow Jesus, so tomorrow morning it's gonna affect my behavior, it's gonna affect my decisions, it's gonna affect my relationships, what I do and what I don't do, not out of a spirit of religion, but out of a spirit of relationship with Christ, amen? Why don't you close your eyes if you would. I love that we can read in the gospels and look at Jesus's ministry at every turn, man. Uh, he would turn a corner or he'd walk down a street or he would go to a well or he would, he would go to a house and there were encounters that took place over and over and over again. And we can learn so much from them. The Bible says when Jesus reached the spot, X marks the spot where Jesus encountered Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus encountered Jesus. His life was changed forever. And as I began to pray about today, as I was preparing, I just couldn't help but, but know in my heart that there are people that are here, there are people at the, at the campuses or even watching weeks later, you're watching this message and you know that Uh, you have sinned and you've fallen short and you found yourself involved in things that you're ashamed of. Listen, the prevailing message that I want you to hear is that it doesn't matter what you've done or who you've become, Jesus will take care of that. Jesus will take care of that. There's forgiveness for you. There's freedom for you. There is hope for you today. Don't miss out on what Christ has for you. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.